Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. What is up, family? Today I am joined by a beloved musical act from the Windy City, Chicago, whose music career has spanned multiple decades, whose thoughtful and diverse talents have really impressed me over the past couple of years. His most recent achievements being 2020's How Do You Sleep at Night with Montana Max, the Blue Beach EP with Killer Kane that, for those who listen to the show, know how much I've loved, and his latest album with Iceberg Theory Smoke Detector, an album that just dropped this past week, so it's very fresh. We'll get into the creation of these great projects and much more as I converse with the insanely talented Rich Jones. Chilly day in Chicago, we broke in the planet. Flood waters flowing over the granite. Grin to a grimace, green crack in a grumman. At least something is hitting, but that's a well-tapped reservoir. I take the position, first the third pinch hitting. Pinch in the pinch, knuckle balls in the dirt, looking ultra-rich, super fat, plush and deluxe. Triple plays in the field, got me feeling a rush like... How you doing, man? I'm great. What an intro. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is this is great. I know we've been chatting for a few years now, but it's cool to to actually talk to you proper. So thank you for having me, man. No, I, I'm really appreciative of you coming on. I know that initial conversation, if I remember correctly, like that was a pretty that was very I really uh, you left a good impression on me because I think you were talking about your like family lives in Ottawa, where I currently live. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice. Was yeah, man. And that was early on, too. I hadn't had as many conversations with artists at that point. That was like early 2021. For sure. I, you know, one, one thing I'll say, I, I've been lucky to travel around both for family and and for, for music or for whatever. So I don't know. I I when I see a city that I, I know like a little bit about, it's always like, yeah, I just I'm curious to see what someone's, you know, perspective is of it or, or you know, just kind of what, what their deal is, where do they fit in and all that. So, um, you know, I, I will say um, it's been a long time since I've, I've visited. So I'm sure a bunch of stuff's changed in like the last five years. But, you know, it's always a fun spot to go and, and see them. Obviously, if I come back, I'd love to, to actually see you. We'll we'll go to the French market. We'll go to uh, we'll go to the Obama exhibit that's been running since 2008 and have sugar cookies. It'll be such a fun. Oh, time. God. Well, actually, yeah, this is going to be this is actually officially the last interview I'll be conducting in Ottawa because I'm moving to Toronto in a, a couple of weeks. Oh, shit. A- yeah. A- A.K.A. Film, A.K.A. Film Chicago, because that's they, they like they film in Toronto to like fit for Chicago. Um, oh, yeah. So. Oh, I know New York is uh, I know actually suits if you know that show. Um, uh, I, I feel like I've heard of it. It had. Uh, Actually, I don't know any of the actors' names, but it just—it was a pretty popular show in USA. 
Um, they, yeah, their, their office, I think is supposed to be Manhattan, but it's like some office downtown Toronto. Oh, cool. I, I feel like there was a show with, uh, with Jay Baruchel and Eric Andre, I forget what it's called. It's like an FX show and it's supposedly in Chicago, but I'm looking at the city. I'm like, there's no way this is Chicago and this has got to be Toronto or oh, somewhere. Um, I haven't um, watched that show, but it's the one that's like boy, boy, girlfriend, boyfriend. He's like a, a he's like a supporting actor, Eric Andre, I think. Of that. Yeah, he's like the the best friend who's like a Lothario and and just kind of a you know a wild man. And then Jay is kind of like the hapless, like you know I I want a I want a lady kind of guy. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Either way, it was like super strange to be like, wow, like this just looks nothing like where we where it's supposed to be. But whatever, man, they're having fun, so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll enjoy it. But so. I want to start first with like, what was your entry point into, into hip hop? Um, I mean, as a kid, I feel like, you know, you just, we just heard it all over the place. Honestly, I, I just have a vivid memory of like being like two or three years old with my best friend. And we're, we're singing Tootsie Roll by the 69 boys, like with our parents on the way in to like go see a play or something like that. I don't know. It just whether it was on the radio or whatever. I don't know that that was like a very vivid like, oh, I, I like I like this. I don't know what this is, but I like this. And then like kind of the evolution of that. I know at the time there was a, a TV station called The Box that was kind of uh like a hub for people to watch music videos. And I feel like you could call in and like, this is a little bit, you know, I, I didn't have any sort of choice in, in, you know, I wasn't old enough to make these sorts of choices in terms of like calling in or requesting mm -hmm. videos or anything. And it, to make it even funnier, the station it was on, we like barely got reception for it. So it was like kind of fuzzy, but like that was the first time I saw a cross uh, by bone thugs and harmony or like hey by crucial conflict those videos just kind of like channel surfing and then they would be on and like i couldn't really make it out just because it wasn't like a great quality but i was like yeah mm -hmm. this, this is like this is awesome like what is this and so um you know fast forward to when i'm a little bit older one thing that i really you know latched on to and got excited by was when i discovered that Chicago had like a local underground scene, which I mean, that you know, that's existed since the 80s, right? But I'm, you know, my entry point to this is like 2002, 2003. Um, and, you know, it, at that point, especially in the era when like, you know, we don't have endless access to music or, or movies or anything like today, you know, you really had to like figure out how to get the thing that you wanted. So like for me to even listen to a song that I wanted to listen to, if it wasn't on the radio, like I would go to like record label websites and they would have like a snippet of the song um, that would just play. And so that was as good as it got. And then like LimeWire and stuff was like a thing, but like, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I just wanted to, to find a, a, a way to connect with, with, you know, the culture and with whatever scene was near me. And luckily, you know, there was a pretty active, uh, independent record scene, a lot of smaller labels around that time that were, were moving around like Mole Men, EV Records, um, you know, and the like. And, uh, yeah, from, from there it was, it was, I got really hype about it because like, unlike 
artists that you'd see on the TV or like on MTV or, or you know, on the, the rare case? Because I didn't have cable either. I, I'm kind of getting mm. a lot of this secondhand at friends' houses if we're hanging out or whatever. And like, you know, one thing I immediately appreciated is when you're talking to people that actually live in your city, you can talk to them. Like you, yeah. you can actually like potentially forge a relationship and get to know them. And And I think like as a supporter and someone who wanted badly to, you know, be supportive of of the music that was coming from here. I think it was really cool. Um, it's a to kind of you know get so excited so quickly. And you know we also had a couple of events that I think were really helpful in kind of setting the tone in terms of um, um, you know kind of I guess bringing people together so you could get kind of not like a cliff's notes, but you could get like kind of a all everybody's here at once kind of thing. It was a, a mole men specifically was organizing an event called Chicago rocks at the Metro, which is like a pretty big venue. Um, and so like, you know, their artists would be on the bill, um, you know, Galapagos Four, like quell and, and all them would bill um, or any of the artists affiliated with that, you know, um, and et cetera, you know, it just would go on from there. And it was, it was a really great way to get like a sample of like all the different acts that existed at the time and especially when you're like 18 or 19 i mean one ticket to the show gets you x amount of shows basically versus having to like and, and plus also being underage too like where can i go to see this stuff if it's not like all ages or like you know something like that because a lot of the time you know it's going to be 21 and up i know yeah it's club, in a bar or a club yeah exactly and uh like the club yeah i remember like one of the clubs that was by my house the the abbey pub i know like i feel like wu-tang like a, a version of like three members of Wu-Tang would like play there occasionally. Um, like, you know, you'd get shows like that. But again, I'm, I was too young to be able to, to go in there. Um, so that, that was kind of rough in that way. But yeah, so as far as entry points, like, you know, about 15, 16, I really start diving into the, the local music scene. I start buying, you know, local music and, you know, really trying to get behind that and, and, you know, support those artists and try to get to know those artists as best I could. So by the time I'm starting to get active as an artist myself in terms of recording and everything, like starting around like 17, 18, you know, I, it's, it's not like I could hang, I, you know, I wasn't very good, but at the very least you start at least thinking about the possibilities of what you can do, you yeah. know, cause um, you know, you possibly maybe do your first little performance or open mic. I know um, that was actually one of the, we want to talk about real entry points. Let's talk about what, you know, when I started finding my community, my people off bat, I got so lucky because um, I, I got introduced to this, this, like, it was like a bi-weekly open mic at this place called the Lyricist Loft, which was, um, downtown and, um, brother Mike, who actually, uh, you know, he mentored a lot of like, you know, people like Chance and, and, uh, you know, I think Mick Jenkins or some people like that. Maybe I'm wrong on that one, but a guy who had done a lot for the youth, this was formerly his space and a friend of mine had taken it over. And so that was where I first met Gyroscope. And that's where I first oh, met nice. a bunch of the guys that would become Tomorrow Kings, like Ill Subliminal and Sketch Win 85 and like just all these, these people that are like my, my brothers now, you know? And like, I'm just this kid who, you know, really wants it, but isn't very good. But they, you know, they noted that I, you know, I had a good spirit about me, I guess, to them. And, and they appreciated that I was earnest and, um, 
you know, that's, that's something, you know, I, I'm very grateful for them that they embraced me and brought me in and started teaching me and, and supporting me. Cause it, it's funny what just like a little bit of positive reinforcement can do in terms of like putting someone on the right path to work harder and get better at their craft. And, um, you know, this is also, it's so funny cause that, that summer is also, um, the time that I reconnected with Montana max too. We, we had known each other like years prior, we briefly went to high school together. And so he was the guy, the older kid that was putting me on to like all sorts of, you know, rap shit, you know, whether it was stories or music to check out and whatnot. And so when we, when we reconnect, when I'm 18, you know, we start, you know, that I, I had a, <laughs> I had a knee surgery. And so I was laid up for the whole summer. So all my friends are all having fun and whatnot. For the most of the summer, I'm just in bed resting and doing physical therapy. But I'm on the phone with him almost every day talking music. So in, in those phone calls, he's teaching me song structure. He's teaching me, you know, the history of this, again, things to look out for, things to listen to. And, you know, really the, the roots of it all start like, you know, summer 2006 in that sense, in terms of like meeting the people that would become my family, meeting the people that would, right. you know, I'm very lucky. Most of the folks that I rocked with back then, I still rock with now, which, you know, that's not typical mm -hmm. in our business necessarily. There's a lot of changeover and wishy-washy shit. So, um, yeah, very, 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 very grateful that that I had those influences early on and, and that, you know, they have, you know, are still part of my life. That's no, that's that's really incredible. So one thing that I've been really happy about is that through the pod, I've had the privilege of interviewing some other artists from the Chicago area, Green Slime, Def C. And yeah. one thing I remarked, which I kind of found interesting, was that based on my cursory knowledge of not of the Chicago scene, although it is it's still so much more I could learn, but more in terms of the actual inner workings of the community, because I'm not from there. From an outsider perspective, I remarked like it, damn, it seems like you guys really put on for each other, like at least this underground scene. Like I always hear uh, artists like Solar Five or something is going to shout out you and like Def C. I remember before I even I don't I think before I even heard of Green Slime, I heard of him through a Def C thing, which I heard through Iceberg Theory, all this great connections. And one thing that they told me is that it isn't always the case or it hasn't always been the case. It's kind of a crab in the bucket mentality has mm -hmm. been a stereotype or at least a, a stigma with it. So like, how is your, I guess you've kind of spoken to how your experience has been, but I guess more specifically, have you noticed a change that it's become so, more supportive over time? That's really, it's, that's a really interesting topic. Cause like, so the era that we're all kind of, cause we're all roughly the same age. Right. And like, so it's been super cool to see like Solar 5 and Slime and, and Def C and like all of us like A, still doing it, B, doing it better than ever. And also, yeah, to your point, like it's, it feels really great to see the ways that we're kind of all big upping each other and supporting each other. Because like the era we came up in specifically, you know, was, you know, to some of us at least, or, you know, I think so if you're if you were around, it wasn't uncommon to hear someone call like, you know, uh, call Chicago Haterville in terms of like people not fucking with each other or like it being a difficult market to break into. And like, I remember it was a really big deal. There was a rapper, uh, long shot who, um, he, it was, it was a massive deal that he did a, a project called civil war that paired North side and South side artists together to make a mixtape. And they did like two of those that it was in the tribune. Like it was, you know, there was, there was like some, some interest around it. And it was, it was a big deal to have that sort of thing because there was definitely a disconnect. Um, 
I think one thing, you know, obviously some things change, some things stay the same. I think we've had periods of more synergy and more kind of inclusion right now. I think especially with the pandemic and everything kind of making a lot of us hermits, I think it's a bit more fragmented again in a lot of respects. But um, I think to, to your point of seeing us all kind of supporting each other, that's what gives me you know, that's what keeps me feeling good about this is knowing that like, hey, like we're focusing on our shit and our people. And like, you know, for for my part of it all, like I, you know, I ran a hip hop monthly for like eight or nine years. And, you know, that was all kind of in service of trying to bring in the different styles of the genre into the room. So you might have, I guess, like I, I hate this fucking word, but like a conscious MC or something with like, you know, more street stuff or whatever. And like finding ways to blend those fan bases together so hopefully you know they would be coming out because they're no they know they're going to get an eclectic music experience or like an eclectic hip-hop experience in terms of the types of artists yeah. that they're going to be be presented with but, but yeah i mean like even even so even with the best intentions you know it can be very tough to get folks to to line up and show up for for those sorts of things you know i think one thing that that you know my dad loves to point out is like we're in terms of like what we value celebrity wise, it's very much a sports town where like your athletes are kind of like, I think the, you know, the big dogs. And I think, you know, also living in Chicago in the nineties with like a Michael Jordan. Yeah. That, that really sets dynasty. Yeah. You know, that's a larger than life sort of person in so many ways. So I, I think like it's difficult to, um, argue that point, but I think then you look at like, say we don't necessarily have media, like the breakfast club or like an LA leakers or something that people, when they come to Chicago, they're going to do that show because they know that they're going to get those listeners and that, you know, that viewer base or whatever. So like, I think we, we struggle in, in, I guess, creating reasons for people to come here and then also to celebrate artists. And then on top of that, it can be so hard to get your music out of this city that, you know, you could be a fucking legend here and you could be an amazing artist, but it's like the walls are just so high that um if you don't pop nationally it's kind of like it, i don't want to say it's a you ain't shit kind of deal but like mm -hmm. it's definitely you know like kind of oh yeah he does his thing you know whereas like in other cities where there is more of that structure of media and and kind of the things that would help like like a hype machine of sorts um you know i think you know especially and then when you also have the industry literally in your town like a new york or an la based artist or whatever you know i think you're you're going to see more of that national um understanding of them whereas from here you know it depends i guess on what press agent you have or you know if you have a label that's going to put you out there you know if you can do that you know i, I it's and, and also in this stage who fucking knows how to make it happen it seems like so much of this has all been decentralized and has kind of been removed from any sort of like one main core experience that we all go to like someone so i was yeah. talking to someone about like they brought up jay electronica as an example of a guy who's just himself and whatnot and i said yeah that's great he can be who he wants to be like with his art and whatnot but make no mistake he was on the cover of magazines when magazines I, I, really yeah mattered. I, I think so jay like, electronica is, is truly one of the worst like ways to learn something from like yeah. oh this is a this is a way forward like what what are you even talking about this guy's a his story is amazing but it is so right. unreplicable like the sure. last sustainability like well it's very rothschild too that's a good that's a good I, way it's a that's a great way to go um well I, I guess to that point though i think it's 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 kind of similar to i think what um 
one of the I think it might have been Punch from TDE was saying like you're not going to see another like superstar artist necessarily because of the last you know like a Rolling Stone cover doesn't mean what it used to mean like not everyone True. even has a fucking TV set that will watch like Jimmy Kimmel or like uh, the late night TV thing that would break an artist at one point I mean mm -hmm. you know it, it's it's tough to say what'll actually get eyes. I mean, like, you know, TikTok obviously is, you know, seeming to be one way to do it. Um, but again, that's not a unified human experience. You know, it's not like everyone coming together to watch the moon landing or something. It's just like, you know, so how do, how do you create that? Um, especially in a place like this where you don't have those built-in sort of media centers. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the crab in a bucket mentality right there is because we're all fighting for the same resources, essentially. And um yeah so that that can get a bit cutthroat and luckily i think one thing that's been really heartening to see is like you know especially when you see a label like closed sessions or filthy analects um and i know um uh like i am god i think has got that no mediocre uh label mm -hmm. if, I, if i messed up the name i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm god but like you start to see those sorts of things happening and that's really exciting to me because that's at least creating nucleuses of things infrastructure, that could, yeah. infrastructure. And then also depending on how the music goes in my mind, like you could see the beginnings of cult followings based on what's released and how you release it. And then, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. I think about this shit all the time. So no, I know, but I, I like the, I like yeah. where the, where your, your mind is at there with the labels. Cause like, I think, it's definitely valid. Like there's a, a, a huge stigma now with, with labels, understandably so, but I think there's a huge difference between signing to like a Atlantic records and signing to, or I don't know how you, yeah, signing or working with collaborating with uh, uh, making an arrangement with one of these indie uh, labels that obviously indie labels can be shady too. But the idea is that I think there is something to be said about, uh, having a consolidated place where as a fan, I'm not only a fan of the artist, I just know the label. Like classic is a backwards, right? But like for people that like, I love Akai Solo. Like he's uh, one of my favorite artists right now. But if I didn't know him and I was just a fan of like a Lucid, Woods, Curly Castro, let's say, I am 100% expecting this new Akai Solo album that's supposed to drop on backwards at some point this year. I'm like, okay, I'm a fan of backwards. Like, I just know everything they put out is quality. That stamp, exactly. that idea of having a stamp, just like they had with Death Row, just like they had with other great kind of uh, moments in terms of a label actually creating quality, like, that's powerful because then you don't have to have, as an individual necessarily, this huge following to make some some money and get some success. Like, you can just collaborate with a, 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 a reputable brand, a reputable label, and then... Yep you know, that it just kind of feeds itself that way. So that's, I really agree. That's really important. Yeah. Not, and, and I think it's something that like, at least in terms of Chicago, I think the most, the most impactful examples we have, I think in terms of the ways those labels have then been able to work inside of like, I guess, like a larger ecosystem of music is like, I mean, I guess, unfortunately, in this case, I think you're going to see more rock labels traditionally. Like, I think, you know, that that scene has done a really good job of, developing lineages between you know different artists i mean that that's one thing that i won't lie is kind of frustrating because like i think 
the leg up there is if you're part of like that certain circle of, of artists and musicians or that genre, I feel like they're more readily there to resource share or to like, you know, provide like support or, you know, cheerleading everything. I mean, you know, I, I think one thing it's, it's been frustrating to see artists like just getting started and they can be really dope. I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody, but like, you know, I feel like in hip hop as a hip hop artist, I feel like we got to jump through so many hoops to get the same shit that somebody who's like drinking buddies with somebody else and like the, the rock community, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. Like you can go play this sick show. And then, you know, it, I, I think that also is indicative though, of a very strong kind of general community around that though. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Whereas I think like with our shit being more fragmented, there's a smaller base that you're going towards that doesn't, again, that doesn't necessarily have those connections. And, and so I think like, I'm, I, again, I'm not trying to take shots at anybody that's out here getting it. If, if, if anyone's getting anything out here, you earned it cause you got it. You know what I yeah. mean? It, it's, it's not some sort of like weird thing. I mean, and also what do you, what do you end up doing with it? That's the other thing I've seen people get amazing looks and fumble them just because they don't know what to do with it. So again, right. I don't, I don't begrudge anybody's success. I want to stress that very thoroughly because this is such a thankless business in so many ways that if you get anything to cheer about, like congrats, like, please be happy. I don't, I don't yeah. want to come off as like a miserable prick, but um, yeah, I, I just think, um, I think the next step in my mind is, is, you know, that stamp of quality that you're talking about, I think, you know, the labels here, I think, need to figure out how to, I guess, transcend a bit or, or kind of like move away, not move away from like the, the, the hip hop scene as much. We have to also start trying to find casual listeners, just people that want to generally be entertained. Because that's the other thing is like a lot of these artists, like a Def C, a Slime, a Solar 5, myself, we're all amazing performers. That's the other thing. And mm -hmm. like, I think um, if you're at a rap show, there's a good chance that like half the crowd are rappers and they're kind of like, I wish I was up there. Yeah. You know, and been, been that guy, you know, I get it. You know, it's, it's tough, but like, I, I think like one, one thing that helped me a lot and really helped move my career forward is I started performing, not just for, hip hop audiences like I would do uh, I would do like musical guest spots at like variety shows or like comedy shows stuff like that stuff that would make me like a unicorn essentially That's versus like I'm one of 10 people on this lineup or I'm one of five rappers on this lineup or something I'm curious to know on that note because I find that idea of like performing in places that you don't always typically see a rap show I think that's a good key for people. Like what are some other, or, and you can expand on that uh, experience more, but what are some things you've learned throughout your kind of journey um, and being persistent and dedicated to, to pushing your career forward? I, I think um, being an honorable, good person goes a really long way in the long term, especially. So cutting corners and being shitty and scheming and staining people and all that you know, that's a that's a great way for some short wins that in the long term will probably be in the same spot you were in the first place. So I'd, I'd say as someone who's really had to stick with it and really probe the reasons why I do this and, and in the midst of just like, you know, some of the the like most thankless moments, it's something that I, I just think, um, you know, staying true to yourself and, and, and I think really paying attention to who's around you, what kind of, of folks you're running with, because I mean, their reputation are the things that they do that can rub off on you. And so I, I've been very intentional about the relationships I've made and, and 
who I keep around because at the end of the day, like if I'm, if you're, um, if you're in my circle, your family and like Olive Garden, um, uh, but, um, no, like, like really though, like I, I, I take that shit seriously and I, I, I don't just, I don't just bring people into my world lightly. So I, I think, yeah, really thinking hard about, about, you know, the relationships you're building. And I think also assessing what those people's goals are, like what they're trying to do. Cause like, I know, um, when I started, doing music i was in a hip-hop trio with with you know it was me and, and two of my other friends and we had a lot of fun and we did some really cool music but i think ultimately of the three of us i wanted a music career i really mm. thought this is what i want to do and the other guys and, and this is the best part we are great we are great friends and it didn't affect our ability to be um to be people and and to be you know on good terms with another but it was definitely something where um when it's all said and done they yeah they they just they wanted something else out of life and i couldn't fault them for that but i think um and and, and again given how old we were at the time like you know it, it was a good time to think get off get off the train for them and for me to kind of you know take a second to think about well, what do i want to do and what do i want now that this isn't as much of a thing um you know i think also um having mentors is important and you know whether that's a producer who takes you under his wing like montana max did for me to teach me things and to kind of coach me um or whether it's you know dealing with people that are you know in other parts of the industry who who just have general familiarity with you know just different ways of how to move you know i i i think one thing that's helped me a lot is i'm just down to talk to all sorts of people i i mean it's not just limited to folks in in one area one community and again again to the point of like playing variety shows i also made a point to just go to all sorts of shows period so my circle it just it's like if it was a event that's a little expanded me, now yeah yeah it's just like you have you know whether it's like dealing with people that are more in the art world people that are more in like electronic music or you know whatever whatever the case you know being able to have those sort that sort of network because you also don't know when it would be a good time to connect it all and to kind of, you know, make, make that sort of synergy happen. And I think that's one thing as I, as I get older and as I grow in this, I'm really proud of my ability to start connecting dots for my friends, for myself. And, uh, you know, hopefully one of my goals is to, I, I just want to start creating bigger situations for people or, or things that I think are impactful for them. And, you know, it's based off what they want as well. It's not just what I want, you know, that, that would be ridiculous. Take me back, please. 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 To my dream life. All right, so now I want to transition to talking about this fantastic album, Smoke Detector. And as you can see, we are joined by the one and only Iceberg Theory as well, the producer for this fantastic hey. record. And hey, thanks for having me. Man, yo, uh, for those that are unaware who Iceberg Theory is, go check out my interview, the very first interview of this entire podcast. So uh, not only just that being a huge milestone, as many have heard, 
that album dispatches from the Caliuga ice and August Fanon. That's truly a great entry point to so much of the underground that we've explored on this show and that others have been exploring in their own musical journey. So really happy to have you on ice and let's just get right into it. Um, When we think about smoke detector, the first thing I understand, I realize is that you really crafted a sound, a vibe that feels really distinct from the previous albums that you've produced in full with Solar 5, that was fantastic. $2 Will, that country rap album, Red Man from Butte, which everybody knows. I've, I've, I love that one. Batman from so Red silly. Butte, my, my mistake. Yeah, that, that's truly it's one so of my favorite silly, albums of last year. Tokyo Cigar um, and others. So curious, like, how did you and Rich conceptualize this album and kind of work together to blend your respective ideas together? I think I, I got to give, I mean, I had the beats, obviously, um, goes without saying, but, you know, Rich really is the one who picked everything. Like, I, I pretty much gave him, you know, he, he had he had the run of the mill as far as what he wanted. So, you know, I think I think there was like, I, I don't I don't know how many beats Rich could, you know, I don't know, there was like probably like probably like hundreds, a couple hundred maybe or something. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe more, like, like there were a lot that was just like in the available folder. So he, he, he pretty much, you know, whatever was, you know, open and, you know, it spanned, it spanned over kind of a, a vast range of, of different stuff that I had been, you know, of times that I'd been making beats, I guess. So I think that kind of helped where if you're picking from like a wide pool, cause like, let's say like, you know, if you're, if I, you know, honing in on one sound, you know, for, for a couple, couple hundred beats, you know, and then the next hundred beats, you're doing something totally different, you know, and then, and someone goes in through the folder and you're looking at it, you know what I mean? And he's able to pick out. So, so he, I was kind of able to provide a pretty wide canvas. I think that's kind yeah. of what I would say that it, 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 it was really open. Like there was like some country shit in there, like, like some stuff was even country in, in here, you know, some, some, you know, soul stuff, some funk stuff, you know what I mean? Like a, a bunch of different stuff. So, I'd say that that kind of helped. And then he, he he had the vision, but I think because that there were so many beats that, you know, you could choose from that, that, that helped kind of create something that was a little more eclectic and not something that was really like narrowed into, mm-hmm. you know, but still, I feel like it's very cohesive despite kind of being, despite kind of being like very eclectic. I still think that the album is definitely like greater than the sum of its, you know, parts because it's a very like cohesive vibe on it and it, it really is a good like statement altogether. So, but I'm going to give, you know, 90% of that to, you know, Rich for picking the beats. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I was able to provide the canvas, but he, he really, uh, he painted the picture. Yeah. And Rich, uh, as before you jump in here, I kind of want to uh, lead off with this, that that's the clear aspect of this album that's super apparent on first listen. And that's what really jumped out to me was there's a huge amount of deep musical variety here. Like, like just, it's, it's almost like, like there's a section of this album, particularly dream life, which I want to talk about again in a different aspect soon. Uh, but it goes dream life, which is this like beautiful ballad, like, like if you guys listen to this al- album, like that one, I hope jumps out to you. It's just, it's just like, it's like a sunny day. Oh, no, it's yeah, no, it's not, so no, just so like, ah, it just makes kill, me so happy. That. Yeah. That. And it goes that into this like eight bit gritty rap, like rap heavy song, 600 paid right after then goes into that. I think that have you tried uh, turning it off and on again, like 
just it just a ridiculous stretch of music and they all work to your point ice like it's really cohesive so my my question for you and maybe you could take this rich and obviously ice jump in did you guys make a concerted effort to try to make an album that just like pushes the boundaries and is like okay this is going to be an album that's like eclectic as fuck i mean i i would say that so shout out shout out iceberg because he you know i it's not not every producer trusts you to go through their vault and he just literally was like here you go man do your thing and it was an awesome day for me because i feel like when he sent that stuff over i hadn't had a chance to really think about music in like maybe a few weeks when when i got that stuff and or even to think about new stuff really and so i <laughs> uh, this it was it was great to just sit down roll a joint and listen to as many beats as I could for like an hour and a half. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, obviously he did an amazing job of like digging and, and picking interesting things to sample and, or to, to, you know, choose from. And so that's, that's, you know, big kudos to him for having such a wide palette um, in terms of the things that he was finding and, and appreciating and flipping. Um, and then as far as, as far as my end of it, I think, um, I, I think that the, the, the song that was most affected by that first session is in a weird way because there's, there's no writing on it was um, Life Goes On because I literally was smoking a joint listening to that song while there was a rainstorm outside my window. And I just was like, okay, I'm not going to rap on this song. I'm going to find like, you know, sounds of rainstorms and stuff. And I'm going to make like almost like a sound piece out of this because that song specifically, um, I haven't, I know, I this is kind of my first opportunity to expound on it, but I, I looked at that song as kind of like a meditative, like sound piece, you know, where like you can listen to it for as long as you want or as short as you want. Um, if you make it to the end, there's a little bit of a payoff, you know, kind of where you can you literally hear the clouds lifting and it's kind of almost like you're ascending into some heavenly divine celestial body of some sort, um, which is great. But I, I think, um, you know, another part of the, the thing is, you know, especially when you have that kind of rep repetitive, sad string kind of thing going on is, um, me personally, especially if you look at the projects I released previously, like how do you sleep at night in blue beach? How do you sleep at night specifically is like, you know, a big, like wake up motherfuckers. Things, things are going very badly. Like we, you know, I, how are you just able to chill? Um, and, and I think in the context of, of this being related to that record, that song is specifically a piece that I, I personally looked at as, as a way to kind of, um, I guess have is like a requiem for the things that we've lost, the people that have died in the last few years because of the inaction or, or just the, the, I don't know, just the people not doing shit to help each other. And, you know, whether that's on a government level or like on like a interpersonal small community level. And I, I just felt like I, I wanted to have a piece of music in that moment that really was allowed to just be sad and you're kind of allowed to kind of sit through the storm. And again, at the end of it, after you've had your moment to kind of work through the sadness of it all there is you know there's hope at the end of it i think that's that's kind of present a lot of my work is that it's not all gloom and doom but you know there has to be a thing that gets you out of bed that keeps you going and i think in that case i i, I was really happy with how that worked um to to your question about dream life and and the way that all flows if you saw the track listing side a ends at blankets so blankets is like a mid-album finale right and then dream life is like i felt like it was the perfect side b because it's like you're like all right and back to the show maybe you got oh, that's snack. so true like it starts and off so, like you're so yeah, happy start uh -huh. of the day 
exactly. Yeah. But here, here's the other part that's funny. That song to me spiritually is a mirage. It doesn't actually exist in the universe that I've created with Smoke Detector because um, at that part of the writing process, I had written almost every song up until I think the only ones that I hadn't done were um, Party Time, uh, There Are Two of You, and and this song Dream Life. And so I, I was I was you know I was bunkering up at uh, this this sweet studio space that one of my friends runs called Friends of Friends, just by myself. I, I hadn't had time to just be by myself. And uh, so I you know it's the middle of winter, it's cold as shit. Um, so I'm just I'm just you know sitting solo in the studio space for a couple of days. And with Dream Life, I'm just thinking, well, I, I've said so much about where I am because I, I wrote most of this album or conceptualized the, the the lyrics of this while driving around the city and really being present in in where I am specifically. And I, I just thought, well, I, I've said I feel like all I have to say at this moment in time about this with dream life kind of feeling so kind of like gloriously fantastical or like fantasy like I was like, what's what's a fantasy world that I could create as like an escape from reality mm -hmm. and and so the song itself i i just thought i i kind of i i did a little experiment i just asked myself um if you could be anywhere in the world right now time of your life what would it be and i thought about um you know right before the pandemic i got to go on a really special trip with some friends of mine uh you know that have been really important to my journey as an artist and as a person in chicago we, we went out to italy for a few weeks and we were just you know taken in food and culture and history and all this shit. And it was, it was very much not with an agenda of I'm going to shake this person's hand. So when I come back, we're going to do shows. You know, there was, there was none, no, no scheming, no nothing, just living. And, you know, the, the song is specifically about the end of the trip and the, the, the uh, single cover is from the beach that we were walking on that day. So it's kind of like it's the end of the trip, but you're feeling pretty like it's that afterglow of a very special experience. And then 600 paid, 600 paid is like, snap your fingers. We're in the middle of fucking Humboldt Park. There's snow and there's garbage and you're back in the city and you got to be fucking back on your toes and you're not on some beautiful fucking beach on the Adriatic Sea anymore. You're back home, motherfucker. Like it's it's game time. And like having someone like David, uh, a convertible Ashley in the mix to like do that, I think like was a really great foil and partner to kind of trade off with. Like, I don't know if you saw the uh, and now for something new video that I shot with him last year, but that's, that was the, you know, the park I'm referencing. That's where we filmed that and stuff. So I like the I, way that you, you transit, like the way that seemed so intentional and that's something we'll get in a little later into a little later, but I, I really felt that, especially because the way the song starts, it starts immediately. Like the transition is abrupt and it sounds like very much on purpose, like snap out of it. We're back. And, uh, Dream Life, yeah, I just love that song because I do feel the really fun, like the the sunshine happiness, but there's a a really obvious hint of melancholy just in that exact way you said, like something really great happened, you're reminiscing on a memory, but it's not here anymore, it's gone, but you're still happy about it, but you're also just like, because it makes me feel very weird when I listen to that song, and that that kind of music is something I really like, but also it kind of makes me incredibly uncomfortable because it's like, very nostalgic i'm thinking of like good memories that are like no longer going to happen again or for whatever reason they're it's just a distant memory um but man i just sure. i just love the and i love the way you you explain that if i if i pass this to you ice there's one thing as you're thinking of like the beats you sent to 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 rich here what did you see or what do you see in rich as an artist that made you think he could rock 
with such a deep bag of different styles of music? Because you sent him, like, as you said, so many different kinds of kinds of beats. I mean, I think his music, I think the what he did with him kind of speaks for itself in a way where it's like, you know, he has so many he's comfortable in so many different styles. And like, like when he's going to rap, he, he could, you know, he could just straight rap and he's going to kill it. But he could do a whole song where it's just singing. And it really, it has, you know, it, 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 it's not like you're like, oh, this is like a rapper singing, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you're like, yeah, this, no, this is just a fucking good song. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so, so there's, I don't know, if like, there's kind of nothing that he can't, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm sure there's something that he'd be like, yeah, I don't want to do. But, you know, mo, 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 you know, a lot of styles, at least stuff that sounds good to me, you know. And then it was cool to kind of see what you know he was picking like what was standing out because it's, it's never I just find it's also like never what I think people are going to pick oftentimes so that made me change my approach I mean I, I've kind of I go back and forth on it too sometimes with people where it's like sometimes I'll try to be like send a certain amount of beats and be like yeah this is what you're this is what I kind of have in mind um and then other times I'm like okay you know here here's the, just the the keys to the vault like you said and you know see see what you want you know and I feel like with with Rich, because if, if I if I picked if I went to be like making him a folder of like stuff that you know he might pick, I don't even know if I would have picked these personally, you know. So it's just like I feel like it's just trusting like people to know what they're doing, because like that's kind of the same, you know. Like with Fanon, like I've always when he was sending me packs, you know, he always sends me packs, and it's like you know it's kind of whatever you want generally, like you know, mm-hmm. like, unless it's taken or something, but you know, he, he's always trusted me to, to know kind of what I'm doing. And like, you know, I, I know what I'm going to want to work with more than anyone else will. So, you know, that's kind of what I, I like to give, even if, even if I'm not, even if I'm not, even if I'm sending something somewhat narrowed down, I still like to have a lot. Of, I like to give people a lot of options because I just find some, sometimes it's pretty obvious. Like, like, you know, sometimes with like, with like $2, like, you know, I'll kind of know sometimes what he wants. Yeah. But even, even then sometimes he'll pick some shit that I'm like, what the, what fuck is this you know what i mean so it's like you know so in general and that, that i'd say i'm probably closest with him as far as what i'm gonna send but you know I, a lot of times i'm just i send stuff and i'm like oh yeah this this and this that's a short shot no way they're turning it down and then that'll be the beat that like five people turn down and i'm just like oh, okay <laughs> you know what the, what the fuck do i know you know like well, I, I i i have no clue what's gonna like stick out to people so i just know that you know obviously something caught my ear in it that, you know, if I sample it, then it's like, you know, it's caught my ear. So, you know, maybe it catches your ear, maybe it doesn't, but for, for whatever reason it did catch mine. So, you know, and Rich's style is just so broad. Like we were saying, you know, like there's so many different sounds and so many different feels and vibes and, you know, just things he does that it's just like, you know, it, 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 I, don't, I just can't even see doing it any other way. Like, I don't know why, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, now, now that this is made, I kind of know, you know, if we were to do more, I kind of know, okay, I have a few things in mind, like more, because now I have a little bit better idea of where we've been and where we could go. So to his point of, of, you know, um, you know, the, the diversity of, of how I approach this shit, that was probably my favorite thing about starting to send the initial demos is because like, especially like a song like Speed Bump, I think that really kind of fucked fucked your head up a little bit because like you know because i've made so many different types of music it's interesting to think of just the different ways that i could freak something so like something that somebody might traditionally think oh this will be a rap song i'll hear something completely different where it's like no i'm gonna sing on this or a song that you might think someone would sing on no i'm gonna flow on this you know what i mean i'm gonna find my pockets or 
in the same breath, like how can I hybridize this where it's like, we'll have like good flow and then we'll, you know, we'll throw in some melody and then maybe like a power hook or something. You know, I, I think that, that that was honestly the like one of the most fun things was like playing around with song structure with this album too to kind of serve myself. Like like for Dream Life, for instance, it's literally all verse until the the power. I call it a power hook. Oh it's just yeah. Like, no, I love that. Yeah. I don't I, know how I, that's I, the yeah. way to say it. It's a power because yeah, you have like the hook. you yeah. have the like back like you have backing vocals or like a double track or something very mm -hmm. old school like power hooks of like the power pop like 80s mm -hmm. 90s and i guess that's something we can get into now like I, I we talked about dream life i told you this i think offline it felt very beatlesque same with see you all the time and the way mm -hmm. that cadence is with the hook i'm sure if people who actually know music theory can maybe point to what that kind of feels like but there's a swing to it that feels like the Beatles except their creative peak was like the late 80s because the beats definitely not something they'd ever use but For it's sure. it's just fucking so interesting to me and I want to talk about your singing generally because like that's such a significant part of your artistic repertoire so what like what inspired you or like got you thinking like to incorporate more melody in your music and what was going through your head specifically with those those ballad type songs on this album um i mean so if you if you go back to the earliest of my music which isn't publicly available it's on private probably forever some of it but you know my my very first album sweater weather there was definitely like a pop influence and like a, an idea of like wanting to have like sung hooks on certain songs mixed with like power bars and stuff like that. So like um, that's always been an inclination of mine. And I think a lot of it stems from a conversation I had with my mother when I was like 17 or 18 and I was showing her some music because my mom, you know, she used to do music. And so she's got an opinion that I'll respect. And, you know, even if we don't agree, it's at least like, you know, what did you think, you know, and mm -hmm. I think one thing that she said to me early on when it came to hip hop records and what I was doing with it, it's just like, she said, I think you could, I think you could do more. I think, I think this is fine, but I think, I think you're holding back and I think there's more interesting ways to approach this. And so like from a very early age, at least in terms of my music career, I was inclined to kind of explore a little bit more deeply what I could do and keep in mind, like, I think experience is the best teacher. Like the, the, this album is the sum of a, a decade plus of like experimenting with different approaches and trying different things. I think even just from a writing perspective, like I went from writing things and rehearsing them a million times to um, you know, I think about five or six years ago, I start, I, I, what well, about five, yeah, five years ago, I, I, I started a new process where, um, and this also is, was made in, in large part because of my, my old engineer, Joel Gutman, uh, who's amazing, but yeah, he, he was able to book me time for super cheap. So I'd book like a six or 12 hour block. So I didn't feel pressure in terms of like, I only got two hours to do this. And like, yeah. you know, so I was able to get comfortable. And then what I would do is I would just go through beats in his studio and be like, all right, that's the one load it in. And then what I would do is I would have him, you know, I'd either, I'd either try to like, you know, mumble a little bit and be like, all right, what way is there, is there a strong phrase? It's almost like someone cold reading a room as like a medium or something where it's like, I heard, I heard Giro. So I'm going to go with Giro or, you know, something like that. And so 
um, that became one process. I think another thing I started to do, especially when it came to vocalization and like doing more heart harmony type stuff, I started getting really, really into just making noises with my voice. And um, from there, like trying to pinpoint exactly how I wanted my voice to sound before I did anything at all, where it was like, I, I know I, I, I want to skip to the end almost. And then we're going to fill it back in. And, and that honestly, like that partially came about through a session I, I did with this producer, uh, Carter Lang, who's uh, now gone on to like, you know, work with SZA. And and I think he co-produced Sunflower by Post Malone. He's just this amazingly talented guy. And mm -hmm. I'll never forget. We had this one session where I, I came to his house and he plugged a microphone into his uh, into his uh, D, uh, turntable mixer board and just threw on like a kid koala instrumental and handed me the microphone and said rap and i just i just started going and just freestyling and then i kind of was running out of steam and it was almost like a first thought best thought thing and i and i at that point i'd never thought to like scream into a microphone before i don't do well as like a super loud kind of aggressive personality mm -hmm. it just doesn't suit me but in that moment i was like well fuck it let's see what it sounds like so i'm just like wow you know and it was very liberating because at that moment it's like wait a second like i can test it, it, it isn't about coming up with the final product in that moment it's about to test to see where this could go so then bringing it back to those sessions where I'm, I want my voice to sound a certain way. It's almost like you're like, you know, doing test shots or like fire, you know, just kind of just to see where things will land. Mm -hmm. And then then you synthesize everything together and write the song. And so um, to bring it to this record and the songs that we were doing, I think it just came down to like for the more balladic songs, um, thinking about what was what the song was saying I needed to do, what made sense for me and also what would be interesting given what I'd already previously recorded for the album. And then, you know, kind of also just what would be fun for me to do. I think see, see you all the time is a really interesting one. Cause that, that one, I freestyled that song. I, I knew the hook and I knew a couple of the lines, but mm -hmm. I just sat down and just was like, all right, you know, I told still to dub hit, hit record. And I, I just locked in and I, I did it in one take. I did it in one fucking take. And I think like, maybe and i think i listened back to it and maybe wrote wrote it down and maybe redid it one more time but essentially like you know i already had a, a long-term vision based off of listening to that beat like a thousand times over a summer mm -hmm. that i knew what i wanted to do and then and then throwing in the harmonies that i wanted to do as i went you know i don't know it, it's a certain level of planning but then also being able to capture something in the moment in the moment yeah um, and you know so uh, you know a mix of taking present shit with past shit and then being like all right future shit let's go yeah it's like you've engineered a process that allows you to capture that while also allowing you to kind of have some structure but again allowing you to be present which is really clear like there's a freewheeling energy to this album that is it feels like uh organized chaos in a lot of ways hmm. in the best possible way i so uh i think the last question i have for you before you have to go something i'm just curious about is like especially when we're talking about see you all the time like that's a beat i've never would have imagined you'd make uh hmm. to be quite honest and there's a lot of times i have that thought like i just this is really different for you but then at the same time when i look through your past year you've been very prolific you made beats that are very, very unique and no album is sounding the same. So I'm curious, I believe your first full produced album was with Link Lone late 2020. If not, it was the Mantis Miasma Miasma theory. Like yeah, those I believe are probably, those are probably both pretty close. 
I probably have to look up like the the like I think like rate your music or whatever. They have like the whole like list of like right like every, everything like the exhaustive list or whatever. Yeah, but I think cool. that's like that, very that's, much. That's probably, yeah, yeah, that's I think like the link low. Uh, link low, maybe the um, or I don't, I don't know. Sorcerer in the Vine, like October twenty yeah, twenty. Might be close there too with the because uh, we did the Untitled Soccer Mom EP around that time too. Oh right, yeah, yeah, But yeah, so I was just saying, like from then to now, mm-hmm. what aspect of the craft do you think? has gotten easier for you or you think you've just generally improved on um i don't i guess just finding new new stuff like new new things to sample i guess and just like new new i guess it's become second nature a little bit more like i've definitely just been doing it longer i guess but the approach is pretty similar i guess but you know i have new i'm always like discovering new little uh kind of genres subgenres and stuff like that that i kind of will go go on a tangent with and try to try to flip for a while and then kind of just see what comes of that so and then i think you know as i keep going through that i just keep discovering more like there's just more and more music that i could keep finding out so i don't know if it's going to get to a point where where there's no I, I don't know it seems like there's always more more stuff i mean there's no shortage of music but i think most of it's just i'd say i don't know if my technique has really changed Mm-hmm. that much i mean i guess at a certain point i started doing like the which i talked a little about a bit about in the the solar five interview um with dano that one that we were doing where it was like I, you know i started using like drum breaks a little bit more and stuff like that mm-hmm. so at a certain point because august like i got to give him the credit that he suggested that i do, I do that because at, at one point it was like just it was just like loops basically like for a while and then you know then then i started doing a little more with that so you know and that now i've you know worked on that a little bit more but generally the same approach like you know on some stuff i'll do a little bit more like with you know intros you know maybe a little bit of change up stuff and here and there but the approach is still generally about the same but you know i think it's just finding finding those you know finding the the different sounds and figuring out where to look and how to you know what different artists and kind of how far you could push it in a lot of different directions yeah no i can definitely see like the even though your sound has definitely kind of like your sample sources have expanded. I think the one thing that's becoming a bit more refined that I've noticed at least is that there's more of like an identity of like, Oh, I can, there's like, this is the iceberg theory spin on this kind of sound. Cause even like on this album, there's a lot of like string sampling. There's a lot of kind of like a, yeah, more of a poppier feel that I haven't heard from you as much. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like abnormal. It feels like it fits. It's just a new style. And I, I just have to say thank you for making these beats because these are this is truly one of my favorite albums of the year. And uh, yeah, I just want to say like congrats for all of that and appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, yeah thank you for stop by. Yeah. Thank, thanks for making those beats, man. They're awesome. We should. Hey, we should, we, yeah, we man, should thanks for rapping. On, thanks for rapping and singing on them, dude. We, incredible, incredible. Like, dude, I've just been listening to that over the past few days. Like, you know, since it's been out, just being like so, so happy, like with how it all turned out. I mean, it's really, like I said, it really. I feel like just beats beats the like the sum of its parts. Like, I, I don't know. I keep going back to that, but it really, it really just feels like something special. So, you know, I'm a, really honored to be a part of that and work mm-hmm. with you. Yeah, man. Um, no, I, I feel the exact same way, man. Uh, obviously, it's been a bit of an unconventional process in a lot of ways, but um, I just really appreciate 
um, you for for what you made. And then on top of that, just being a, a really wonderful person to, you know, I know our, our communication could be sporadic, but I, I really, I think what I appreciated most about this is you trusted me and not everybody trusts me. Not everyone sees what I see. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I sometimes see a little bit further ahead down the road than others. And so I just appreciate you just, you know, trusting that I was going to deliver something. And if you didn't hear from me for, you know, like a month, it wasn't like, I wonder if he's doing something. It's like, nah, he'll, he'll get to me. So thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the space to be who I needed to be to make this as well. Um, and, and to, to do justice by your production. Cause like, you know, I, I really, was really impressed by by just everything I was hearing. I mean, look, man, if I wasn't impressed, we wouldn't have a fucking album right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, seriously, thank you so much. Hey, you too, man. Be well. Be well, guys. Peace. Peace. So, so Rich, one thing with this title, Smoke Detector, I've tried to think about what that could mean. And my theory is just like kind of based on the fact that there's a lot of variety. You're going in a lot of different places. Like it feels a bit explosive. And that's honestly something to be clear is not a way I would have described your last couple of projects. Um, I think there's a real intentionality with everything here. Like either, like if it is sad, it's feel sad. Like it's, it feels very sad. Or if it's very chill, if it's chill, it feels very chill. If it's aggressive, like, like 600 paid or, uh, turning off and on again, that track, like it's very aggressive. I feel like you're really leaning into whatever vibe you're trying to paint, but that's kind of where I'm at. I don't still don't know how that really relates to smoke detector, but to something about like explosiveness, like what is your, what is your take on what that title really meant? So, I mean, kind of to my earlier, earlier thing, when just talking about writing in general, just thinking about phrases words you know some things just pop out at me um and you know like with like with like blue beach you know i took that photo that became the cover and it just was very clearly to me that it looked like a blue beach so there you go i mean it's very literal boom um with this i think i don't entirely recall how it came to me but you know when i was listening to all the music that I, I had in a playlist and kind of thinking what it felt like to me. I really, I think there's an underlying paranoia um, and kind of just like a, a fear and, you know, like something isn't right. And so smoke detector, if you think about it, it's, it's, you know, you have it in your house to let you know if there's a fire, if there was a smoke, if there's smoke, there may be a fire kind of thing. And I think it's, it's sort of, um, I guess, a, a, a way to be like a metaphor for just kind of where we are as people in, in this moment in time. It's just like, I, I think uh, there's a shit ton of smoke. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in some places there's fire, but there's also a lot of smoke, whether we see it or not. And so I think like, you know, I, I, I wish I had like a cooler answer, but like, I, I think um, just based off of what I was feeling um while writing this and kind of while thinking about this it just kind of fit perfectly where i'm just like you know it's it just is kind of sort of an ugly title in a way because it's not it's not like it flows off the tongue like oh like some beautiful word it's just a smoke detector you know and and so i kind of i like the blunt impact of of hearing that and um you know kind of the lack of sexiness and in, in a way just because 
um i would let that part happen with with the music or whatever yeah the blunt the blunt uh the blunt impact is kind of what i was talking about about how everything really yeah. punches you in the face with whatever yeah. vibe it is and exactly. i think that that resonates and definitely the the, the creeping paranoia because that's like when we talk about dream life that that is a feeling i get not paranoia but this it's like a lot of this album when i think about even especially like life goes on um the final track it like it could be purely a happy you could put this in a purely happy scene in a movie and it wouldn't sound weird necessarily not life goes on but like see you all the time dream life but it also could fit in the scene of a movie where it's like fake happy like it's a fantasy that we're supposed to understand is like not real and it's kind of like that's the point like Mr. Robot, if you know that show, they have like scenes like that often where he's kind of like, it's very clearly like ridiculous. The guy is very, has mental, a lot of mental health struggles, but there's like this montage where he's all happy. He's buying his Starbucks. He's being a regular citizen going to work nine to five. And they have this ridiculously like happy music playing, which is so cheesy. Not like this is cheesy, but it's that vibe where it's like yeah. something's not right, but there's like this painted on happiness. And it's, the, I love the facade. that. Yeah, those, facade, yeah, exactly. For sure. No, I, I think like to that, to that point, I mean, it's almost like with like dream life or something, it's almost like too good to be true. It's like, exactly. you know, oh, yeah, you know, and, and meanwhile, there's a big wave coming to, to wipe you off the beach, or there's a shark waiting for you to walk in or something kind of things are lurking around you um while you know it's almost it's almost like it's almost like a really wonderful daydream in that moment mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I think um yeah that i think that that settles that pretty thoroughly i think what do you got when you strip away the lines you told yourself to stay yeah and i want to get into uh, like a like a big song on this the longest song seven minutes plus blankets that features yomi curly castro samira truth this is truly and as you said it earlier that like is such a good i didn't really notice exactly where it was placed on the track list how it ends side a that's a really powerful song and i think you got some like truly one of my favorite curly castro verses on that samira truth killed it and yomi like i never heard of her but i loved i loved her her singing on there like what was the vision of this song and like how did you kind of put it all together so i it's really interesting yeah because like i i kind of stopped and started a lot on this album like i i'd go like one song a week for like a while and then i'd take like a month off and you know it's kind of going as i go, you know creating as i went and when i felt it and um this one again was like one of the last songs that we did i guess along with party time and dream life and and there are two of you um and it was part of those sessions and um it was interesting because around like a little like i'd say like a few weeks before i sat down to actually do something with it um you know curly castro had hit me up being like hey like i'd, I'd love to get down on something if if you're down i said well fuck yeah that would be amazing um and so you know it was i'd sent him some things uh 
you know, and, and that was what he chose was that, that, you know, the playlist I had kind of updated with songs and beats that were, you know, still going and maybe, maybe ones that were blank. And so I was like, okay, that's cool. Good to know. Um, and I, you know, so I, I, I recorded my part and then kind of had a space open for him. And then I have like my, my hook, you know, my double hook at the end. And I said, okay, we've got a really nice compact, song you know once i get what i need from him and i played it for a friend and i wanted to get their opinion and i was caught because i i i said to him there's two things that happen here either it's great as is once i get what i need or there's like a way crazier record here in terms of something that's far more intricate and like composed and and kind of well more thought out and um he was like honestly give gives you know option to a serious consideration so i i thought about what i heard and what what could possibly go there and so like yomi she's a great vocalist but she also plays harp so i had her come in and she played harp and uh you know she sang oh that's live yeah, I mean, that's performed. Yeah, wow. that's performed. Yeah, so, I thought that was the sample in the beat. No, was that wow. and that that was the cool part is because you know Damn. the you know I ice provides the perfect like starter canvas and then I modded it essentially with the other vocalists of course but then with like I was like you know I want to I want to hear you play some harp so she played some harp um you know mostly you know I kept it in certain parts and then for like the redux I was playing around with positioning because that's the, the cool part with what she was doing is I didn't have to be super intentional of oh this needs to come in here I could kind of be like let's like chop a bunch of things up and just kind of like play with where they are and see what it creates and I, I got really lucky that it was it was really simple to do that and then with Samira um I forget how this all came about I know we we'd been familiar with each other you know since uh last summer in terms of like we we met in person and um you know she's she's lovely and wonderful and um you know I I, I had seen her I feel I'd talked to her there, there was some some way I'd talked to her like previous to this and um and like the recent you know recent to when i was recording that and i said i i've got this amazing I, i've had an album i'm working on i would really love if you would be a part of it and she just like castro gravitated to that song so i had this moment where i'm like am i about to just like have almost like a, a like a, a kind of weird sort of posse cut in a way and i was like well of course i'm gonna do that's so great and then I was thinking like, well, what, what does this song need really to like bring it home? Cause we, you know, the hook is great, but then we've got more beat and I'm hearing other things. And so Reno Cruz, he, you know, we've, we've worked on some music together over the years and, and he's, you know, he's having a, a really good time uh, um, playing guitar for the artist Lala Lala. Um, but um, yeah, I, I just thought, let me, let me hit him up. Cause I've always appreciated his pocket with, with the electric guitar and, you know, I, I almost feel like he gave me some like quasi like Prince shit because it just feels so like, you know, like purple rain levels of epic in certain ways, the way that he layers the guitar and and really brings it home, especially because like, you know, it kind of starts with one and then a second, you know, a second layer of it comes. Yeah, in and just the, the, the build of it and whatnot. So and, and you know, the, out of all this, I mean, with with how do you sleep at night in Blue Beach? Those are my first two experiences, like mixing vocals and and really taking command of this this song is my first time mixing instruments i'd never done that before where i'm like starting to affect the actual music not just like someone's voice on the music so i i had so much fun 
really like true labor of love shit in terms of like figuring out how to make this happen, putting it together and then finalizing kind of getting it to sound where I, where I needed it to be. And, um, that's really impressive, man. I have to say, cause I just like the harp comment I made the guitar. I also thought, I thought all of these were part of the beat, like all of it. I thought all of it was part of the beat. I had no inclination that this was something added cause it is mixed. So like crisply into it. And, that's and that's that's pretty interesting because like sometimes I can tell and I don't always like it like sometimes it, it works where like a, especially like a, a guitar I'm thinking of like some artist like Mike Dean who's who's really like a legend at like adding like a really cool um, guitar solo melody added on to some kind of like very intricate trap beat or very intricate hip hop beat that like Kanye or Travis Scott have worked on with a bunch of people. That's like something he's great at. And sometimes you can tell it's like added on, but it's cool as a layer, but other times some things can get added on by lesser artists. And it's just like, this sounds cheap. This sounds like this doesn't fit. And I'm, I have to say that is truly impressive because I genuinely had no idea that was like additional instrumentation. Well, thank you. I mean, that that was kind of a big impetus towards me on the track listing and for like the the credits or whatever, listing myself as an executive producer, because like, obviously, Iceberg, you know, he did all the sounds. He definitely had like a big role in terms of like, you know, I, I wasn't going to put out something he wasn't fucking with. Like we were going to have a conversation if there was. Luckily, we never had to have that conversation because, you know, he was really happy with everything I did. Um, But, you know, in terms of like, really molding the textures of this album i think that's that's where i was like you know i i earned it i'm gonna i'm gonna claim it and um you know obviously in the the finishing process uh mjc over at filthy broke you know he did a really wonderful job mastering it and mm -hmm. uh, that was that was a really cool process to link with him because you know i i'm still learning i i don't know everything and and uh is you know as much as i may may wish i did and so you know we we had some really interesting kind of remote sessions to kind of tune some things like like on that song specifically he was teaching me some things that you know i'm using now for for future projects so that was a really awesome um kind of knowledge exchange right there um so yeah i'm excited to kind of build build from here i you know the the other thing um you know from like 2017 to like 2019 i was very quietly prolific in terms of like recording music so i have so much in my vault right now that i almost mm. feel like after kind of really scraping my whole being for this this one i might kind of turn my attention to like some stuff that's already done for a while just because it's like i it's good stuff you know and I, i'd like to get that out there too but yeah like you know the this this sort of process was was really fun and awesome but it definitely takes it out of you in terms of like you know, where do I go from here? Because I don't ever want to bore people. I don't ever want to mm -hmm. be predictable, which is, you know, it sometimes hurts me because of my eclectic catalog. It's hard to pinpoint what exactly is this sometimes, you know, whether it's like, you know, because I, I I don't know how, how far back you've gone, but like, you know, I straight up dropped an indie pop EP in 2017 called Vegas. And it was like pop songs, you know, very mm -hmm. much like this could be in a commercial or, you know, the, I mean, and some of the stuff was in stuff. And like, you know, it, it was a very strong departure from anything I'd done previously to that. And I think um, a big reason why I feel comfortable doing that shit is because I make no bones about what 
I am. And to me, I never divorce myself from my roots, which is that I am an MC. Mm-hmm. There is no, there's none of this. Oh, I'm, I'm past that. Or, oh, I'm on, you know, I'm not really a rap, I'm, but I'm more than a rapper shit. No, I'm a rapper. And I also do other things, but it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't shy away from that shit. Like to me, MC stands for microphone controller. You are controlling flow. So flow could be melodic flow could be raps. You know, it, it's whatever you want it to be. It just has to be you. It has to sound natural. I mean, like another thing, like my process for recording at this point, I almost always try to nail the shit in one take because I treat it like a performance. We are capturing a performance and it needs to sound natural. I don't want it to sound cut, cut, cut and pasted or copy pasted. Um, you know, we, we need this to flow accordingly just in terms of, of, of what I think will sound more natural and genuine mm-hmm. to me and what will sound real for me. And so, um, yeah, I would, I would say in, in, in this instance, yeah, like, um, that sort of mentality allows me to flow between genres and shit because at the end of it, I'm still the same person. It's just me exposing a different side of myself or, you know, fusing different things together to create a new side of myself that I can present to people. No, that's amazing. I can definitely hear that, that fluidity again on this album with all the variety. And there's a lot to talk about with this record. I don't want to keep you for your entire day here but the, the last thing i want to just talk about really quick i just have to on this album there's a track called there are two of you and i just want to know what the fuck is that song like what's the significance for it because it, it's like so mesmerizing but i don't really feel like i'm understanding it like i feel like it's kind of speaking to like because the girl's saying like there's two of you I'm, like it's saying like there's two sides of you uh and i that beat by ice like i it's like levitating there's like a really beautiful like guitar main melody but there's like this like ah like a like a aura about it man i just love that song like it's there's so many moments on this but yeah like what's the what's the deal with that track i need to know so i think to talk about that song you have to talk about the song that precedes it be kind um you know uh at the end of that song i write you know, write down who you are because of what you might do. They may not be so kind. And that I got from this writer, uh, Sarah Kenzie, or um, she she tweeted something along those lines uh, at the very beginning of the, the Trump administration um, in America. And she said, you know, I, I want you to write down who you are. And I want you to to very thoroughly have an understanding on paper of who you believe you are as a person and what your morals are, what you stand for, um, and what's important to you. Because what's coming and what we are currently living in is something that will test the boundaries of legality of what's right and wrong. And I, mm-hmm. you know, as as we descend into outright fascism in this country, I think it's important to understand that some of us are going, you know, maybe a lot of us are going to have to make some very tough choices about what we do. And some of it may not be legal. And and some people look at, oh, it's illegal. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes the right thing isn't, isn't legal. Sometimes the, you know, you know, it's like whether it's somebody chaining themselves to a tree so that, you know, a forest can be saved or someone blowing up an oil refinery so that we're not polluting, you know, a certain area, you know, th- things of that nature, like by the law, that's not okay. Right. But in terms of preserving humanity, in terms of, you know, providing dignity to your fellow man and to look out for each other, you know, I, I think sometimes those sorts of things we need to think about does that supersede the law in terms of just being a human? And so I think um, 
taking that message, ending it at the end of be kind, because that's the other thing I know for me, my my way that I want to move around in the world. I want to be good to people. I want to be um, there for them. I want to I want to be a positive person. And the world does a lot to make you not that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you know, you kind of, you know, to just to survive, you do, you do things and, and, um, you get by and, and it's just, it's very easy to get knocked off your square and to forget to, to be courteous, to, 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 you know, just baseline, be nice to people, you know? And I, and I think we live in a super mean fucking time, man. Like I, I'm just amazed by our ability to be cruel and the different ways that it gets, you know, um, redone social media again. too. Yeah, just like yeah, it, 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 I, it, I, it, it incentivizes it. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, I oh fuck, there's a there's this this post. It's so unrelated, but there's well, it's related to your point. But there's this post I saw of uh, of this person. Uh, oh, I forget what it was. Yeah, yeah, like it was a it was during the finals. I've been really into NBA recently and. Uh, there's just it's a, it's just a heart war. This is just a funny classic meme. This should be like where the internet is like funny, you know, like a good thing. It's just like Jordan Poole, one of the players, of the Warriors. He, there's this thing where this joke where he basically like he balls out like there's a bunch of baddies like looking at him and he wants to impress them with this crazy thing, crazy handle and stuff like that. So someone made a meme like, oh, as soon as he hit that like half court shot in like game one or two, uh, there was like the this blonde girl. And they're like, ah, see, there was a baddie in front of him. And then a viral like post is just someone shitting on this girl. So she's not a baddie. If that's what you call a baddie, like I'm like, and I literally come to like, this is so, so mean. Like, why are you doing this? I was just like dumbfounded. Like, who cares? You're just, she did nothing. And she's getting shit on by like hundreds of thousands of people now. It's like, you guys have a problem, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's really dark. It's, it's super dark. And, and. So I, I think, yeah, like I, I, as, as part of me trying to become a mature, happy person and, you know, I, I think especially cause you know, with my gig, I drive around the whole city. I'm in a bunch of neighborhoods that are, I mean, they're becoming more familiar cause I go back every week, but like, it's definitely something where like, if I'm not in my home circle or in kind of the nest, so to speak, I think it, it's, it's something where I personally think that I, it's of the utmost importance to put out positive energy because I, I very thoroughly believe that that shit comes back to you and may not always come back to you and good, bad things happen to good people, people that are positive, you know, there's no batting a thousand in this shit. You still got to always mm-hmm. be on your toes, but I definitely am, am, I guess in my mental headspace where I'm, I'm just really trying to make people feel good. My, my dad said something to me years ago when I was going through a certain level of crisis of character, he said, make others glad and happy to be alive. And so when I'm feeling like I'm questioning my purpose or I'm questioning what I'm doing here, I mean, and, and look, that's some really easy shit just to say, Hey, how you doing today? Okay. Take care. You know, little things that let people know that they're seen and, mm-hmm. and and just that, you know, you're rooting for them, even if you don't even know them. I mean, it's, it's very small. You know, I, I have all sorts of weird little chit chats with people that I'd, I'll never see again. And maybe mm-hmm. they'll tell you a story. I don't know, man. Life's really interesting if you allow it to be, and people can be really surprisingly cool, you know, in ways you wouldn't expect. So I, I think like that's, that, you know, just to give you some background of where I'm approaching this as a person in, in this moment. And then in the context of the song, as we look at the ways of the world, well, at a certain point, you know, 
somebody has to step up and, and do something that that's others might frown upon because it was the mm -hmm. wrong thing to do because of the law or whatever. And it's just like, well, that's that's fucking dumb. So to bring this to your question about there are two of you, I think it's it's the most like staring in the mirror sort of way of assessing that, you know, on one hand, you're you know, you're a lover. On the other hand, you could be a killer. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I'm not a killer. I'm a lover thoroughly. But I think understanding that there is that duality that I think does exist in people where people are put in positions to, you know, do fucked up shit. I mean, you think kids that get sent off to war want to go off to war and yeah. inherently want to blow people away. There's conditioning mm -hmm. in that, whether mm -hmm. it's in society or in your military training that you may receive when you're doing it. I think, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, of, of programming that goes into that. So I think that piece, I think, is just laying it all out that it's there. You know what I mean? And and then kind of letting you ruminate on that much kind of like life goes on. I, I, I was struggling to think if I should, you know, put some words to it or kind of put my own thing on it. But I, I decided in the process of editing it as a sound piece that I really dug other than what the, you know, what the, the dialogue is. I just loved how the music that exists in that clip interacted with, the music from icebergs beat mm -hmm. and so i kind of think the the energy and and everything that needs to be said or or felt really could be felt from what what she's saying and then you know kind of just the way like the horns kind of come into kind of it's like this mania this kind of this this is almost like like the the other end of the you know, after you've gone through the eye of the storm where things are kind of wrapping up and then when it finishes you know, it's see you all the time. And it's like almost like cue movie credits. You know what I mean? Because like see, see you all the time. Like it's, you know, it's definitely kind of like a, you know, see you later folks kind of vibe in my mind, almost like the end of Who Frames Roger Rabbit, where they're all walking through the brick wall with all the tunes. And, you know, it's kind of this weirdly happy sort of thing. But like that song in particular, that one's that one's really interesting to me because I I I think it, you know, somebody wrote that they thought it was kind of like a hopeful record. And in some ways it is, but it's also darkly cynical because like it's in the hook itself. It's, it's so good to see you. I see you all the time. Like I, I went from like going out and about like three to five times a week for shows and events and shit to nothing, almost mm -hmm. nothing the last two and a half years. So I feel like so much of how I perceive people or how I'm perceived is through a phone or through the internet and like yeah you know so people see me all the time but they don't actually like we don't see have you. a meal yeah, yeah. and so it was just you know it's it was just one of those things right i i it was creeping me out where i was kind of it's like darkly funny where it's like so good to see you i see you all the time because like i have people say that to me where it's like mm -hmm. yeah i see you on twitter man i see you on instagram like oh it seems like things are going pretty good and like and no, there's no there's no insult by someone saying that it's just the consistency especially in this era when we have been so thoroughly separated um you know by the pandemic and, and by everything it's and, a bit eerie yeah it's, it's, a bit it's eerie as shit yeah. right? it's just like so good to see you i see you all the time you know mm -hmm. and, and also how you say it you know like yeah in, in the tone of it, it you know i i say it in kind of a cheery beatlesque point away like a part a way like you suggest you know i i in my mind like when i was when i was conceptualizing the vocal approach i was like you know we can get some like beatles sweetness meets like tom waits and leonard cohen in terms of kind of like a world weariness and kind of like dreariness to it and i i think we accomplished that pretty well yeah like um, i said the beatles yeah. thing because it sounds like something i heard i hear off like revolver so they just in yep. the way that like they would be like 
like that classic like Beatles like I don't know again I don't know music theory I really wish I had more to say but there's something in that cadence that is very classic pop of that time that is I've I've loved the Beatles like a lot of people so yeah that that really resonated with me and I'm I'm glad you explained that song because that one really and that kind of I guess those final two tracks and final two tracks I think it it really spoke to me so thank you for that um I want to, before we go, I want to just quickly talk about the Blue Beach EP because that that dropped in 2021. And that was, I think, the uh, the project from you that really made me fall in love with your shit because hmm. that, you and Killer Kane, like, caught lightning in a bottle with that. It's so magnificent and it's just four songs, but I've listened to that, like, 30 times and it's, like, synced to my phone. It's always something I need to have on me. Like, it's a it's a great one. So... What was the recording process for that project? That one was that one was so easy. And I think in terms of like, it, I think it served as a really good precursor to Smoke Detector. Yes, 100%. Um, so like, because I, I started, I started Smoke Detector, I guess, sort of, you could say, like right after I got home after recording Blue Beach. Um, so Blue Beach got recorded when I, we were in Massachusetts. Uh, with my partner's family and um you know i i had a month around a month to you know really just kind of do whatever i wanted um and, and i brought my equipment with me so i could set up shop in, in their house and just kind of mess around and um it, it was really a lightning in a bottle moment because kane sent me four beats because i you know, so, you know if, even for this last trip that we just took similar kind of thing where I, I I knew I was going to be gone for us. So I hit up a couple people and was like, Hey, I'm going to have a month where I'm by myself and I'm going to have time to like have, I'm going to have space to listen to things and think about them in a really open way. And you know, what else am I doing? I can try to knock out a bunch of stuff while I'm here. And so in that instance, it was really cool because he sent me four beats and I just remember sitting back and listening to them and just each one was speaking to me and I could hear things that I could do and just the possibility, like literally just, it's just capital P possibility is all of it. And so, you know, I, I think, um, before I started getting in, getting into those records, it was actually pretty cool. The first song, um, that I recorded was, uh, the joint that I, I did with, uh, sleep Sinatra, um, off of his joint last year. Um, so that was like my test run to kind of get my shit together. And then, um, golden beats, uh, who I did the B water B glue record. I also recorded that as kind of like a little one-off while I was doing it. And those were kind of like exercises to get me to the, the real deal, which was doing, doing this, this cane EP in this moment. And so like, um, you know, from there, much as much as with with Iceberg and, and with anyone I've worked with the last few years, I think the big thing that I I just make very clear to anybody I'm working with is my personal goal is for us to come out the side of this better than we were at the beginning of it. And I think for us in that moment, I think it was partially about like, you know, sending this out for for recognition through press and, and stuff like that. But I think also as creators too, you know, having like a, a different understanding of things, a different sense of things. So I think he was really wonderful to work with just because he's a mastering engineer as well. And he implicitly trusted me to mix it. And he was really patient and really wonderful at giving me good notes on how to kind of tweak things um, and get more comfortable handling things myself because obviously how do you sleep at night i did myself too 
But, um, you know, Max definitely did some shepherding of me mm-hmm. in that moment because that's that's baby's first time, you know, first crack at the apple in that moment. So in, in this in this case, I you know, I had some familiarity, but wanting to refine that process to get better. And and he was just so wonderful and patient with me. So, I yeah, I think with with getting it together, it was kind of like, uh, you know, let's let's sit down, let's write something and and, and let's go. And, it, it uh, you know, I, I think I ended up recording everything in the order that it appeared too, like, you know, that, that's something I try to do if possible. It didn't work out with smoke detector because I didn't ended up having to mix some things around mm-hmm. a bit, but like, you know, it's over. That was like one of the first days we were out there. And I just, I just immediately was like, Oh, I'm feeling this. Like, this is, you know, you can, you can see the energy shift. That's like, I'm still like city mode. I've got that energy. I got that hustle. Like, so it's over is very punchy. And yeah. then by the end, when you get to Blue Beach, the finale, it's like there's a blissfulness to it and acceptance, you know, kind of like, a, you know, it's, it's not pushy. It's not it's not in your face. It just is. It exists. And, um, you know, I, I think that that to me is, I think, what was so special about making that is I was able to almost like to transition from one energy when I arrived to like at the end, it's like I've become not a different person, but I've become a different version of myself. Um and, you know, it's interesting to see that that kind of smooth line energy transition from high to low over four songs to kind of take someone on a mini journey. Because as I said, like it, the the project, as I, I dubbed it, was kind of like a vacation of the mind. So it's like if you if you look at it through that lens, the first song is you just arrived. And by the end, you know, you're you're you've been there and you've you've transformed a bit or you've been able to, to reset and recharge especially after an album like how do you sleep at night which is very like in your face and very much like questioning and kind of angsty and, mm-hmm. and very much like what the fuck yeah. like we, th- th- this is fucked and then you know in my mind you know it's like you gotta you gotta make time for yourself to be your strongest self to be re- well rested so that you can be as strong as you need to be for the people in your life and whatnot so i think that that was kind of interesting to see that play out both in terms of the writing but then also in terms of how that ended up getting ordered and everything i think it was just fantastic man i i think that was just so fantastic i say i, I always i'll describe it as like an album that's great for like a long shower it's like what is yes. it 12 <laughs> minutes 11 minutes yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that and or yeah, just like even though I always recommend um, anybody listen to music on like the best possible headphones or speakers, but my my JBL charge does a decent job, and it's just it's a great <laughs> song to sing along to too. So it's like I really like having it in the shower, and yeah, I agree. It's just it's it's a really good palate cleanser, like a mind cleanser, and uh, yeah, and I it actually very much goes into like chili of the first track on Smoke Detector, like. When I heard that, I was like, because I was when you first like when I first heard this, I was like, I hope I hope I get some Blue Beach vibes because I just loved it so much. I didn't need to be the same, but because you obviously do like go different places, but you definitely keep that kind of ethos in a lot of these songs where it has that type of singing that you do. That's very unique where it's it is very like soft, breathy and kind of hard to pull off, to be honest. I find a lot of artists fail at that type of style a lot, but I think you you killed it. and. Um, Thank you. I know uh, last thing I want to get into just before we wrap up is what are your future goals? Like, what do you what do you see after this release, which I think has been very successful for you? Like, what do you see next in your in your career? Um, I'm going to 
I, I mean, I'm going to keep pushing this album for a while. I've got a bunch of things I'd like to do with it. And I, I think it's in, in, a, in a world where it's, it's here today, gone tomorrow in terms of people's attention span. I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure that people fucking pay attention to this. And, and I'm going to do what I need to do to make sure that people are tapping in. And that's going to be probably tough and probably have some rough days doing that. But that, that's in the, in the immediate where my head goes um in terms of like what i want to focus on because like writing wise the good news is man if i if i sit down like if someone's like hey man i need i need a song in a week i am really good at being able to meet a deadline in that way like i i'm good at you know being able to generate words and and mm -hmm. to you know get people what they need and i you know i do like collaborating and stuff but i think in this moment um as i said i i also don't want to become predictable and i don't want to just immediately jump into the next thing because yeah, like, again, this was just such a natural progression of like, I, from idea to final form, you know what I mean? And so like, I really want to make sure that these things are organic in that sense. Um, I think like in terms of music, I've got a bunch of projects that, you know, as I said, I've got stuff that's on ice that I I'm going to reevaluate and see what, what future is there. Um, I, like I specifically have one album, um, that is like, as far as I'm concerned, you want to talk, it's more, more like singing based or like kind of more, more where my head's at, but it's like my album of hits, I guess you could say. Oh. Um, so I, I'm, 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 I've been figuring out for years how to make that one do what it needs to do. And I'm still figuring it out. And then I've got, um, I've got work on the way with, with good food. Um, I've, you know, working with sleep Sinatra on some stuff, you know, I've got a couple of you know, folks that are, are, you know, kind of moving into the fold for me to start kind of like, you know, building new things with, which I'm really excited uh, about. But I think the, the other thing outside of my own music, the, the thing I really want to be able to do is help other artists. Like I'm 34. Um, I still very much love what I do. I want to keep doing this. I, I would love to do to, I, you know, before the pandemic, I was able to by myself put together like a 10 day six show tour. Right. And that was a really important moment for me because I was like, you know, there were things I would have done differently, but I I'd proved that I could do this. And I think I loved touring. I, I, I do, I guess, I love traveling still. I haven't really done a ton of it, obvious for obvious reasons, but um, it's just something where I, I think um, I want to have another crack at that and, and to get back out there again before, you know. I think I, I move towards more a more domestic uh, life situation just in terms, you know, because here's the thing, when I got a, a partner I love, I got cats, my my mom mm -hmm. and dad, you know, they're getting older, you know, I, I I am entering a portion of life where I think it's very important that I am present for these people. I think in a way that younger me, when I was really out here hustling, couldn't be. And I think I, I, I have a stronger appreciation for what needs to happen in those in those ways. So I think as I possibly tone down some of my like moving and shaking and, and hustling and whatnot i personally would love to start working with other artists kind of on their game plan and on their marketing yeah. and on their promotion i mean th these are all things i have gotten a crash course on through the various hats i've worn over the years and i think if there's a way for me to help somebody accelerate their path so that they don't have to, because I took the long way, man. I took, I've, I've still taken the long way. It's been 12 years, you know? Um, and 
I, I, you know, it's a career genuinely. And I, I'm very grateful that I think a lot of people need to understand this is a career. If you, you know, if you want to be the impactful artist that you want to be, it's not about a TikTok hit. It's about what can I actually sustain for a long period of mm -hmm. time? So I, I, I think that helping people understand that path for themselves and, you know, figuring out what they actually want and how to execute it. I think that's a path that I would love to explore more of. And I'm starting to get the opportunity to do and, and, you know, to have people trust me in that is just so special and important. So that's, I think, working on my own shit, helping people do their shit, helping people be their best selves, trying to get me to be my own best self. You know, that's that's kind of, I think, the general roundup of what I want for the future. Uh, well, that's that sounds incredible. And I think we can end it on that great note. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a phenomenal conversation. And Thank you, man. Yeah, I just want to say... Hope your summer's great and check out Smoke Detector for anybody who's listening. It is truly phenomenal. One of the best albums of the year. And that's that. Peace out. Peace, man. Thank you so much. Take care. there we have it another episode of the rap music plug podcast presented by qlc tv i hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer if you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new rap music plug podcast patreon through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. Big shout out to Dano of Free Music Empire, Levi, Mahima, Jeff, Mitch, Dash Lewis, Pancake Cleaner, Trey, Noah, Justin, Brandon, Joe, Gavin, Matt, Teddy Faley, Jackson, Kian, Slumber Logic, Fatman Tomb, and Khalid for your generous support through the Patreon. I really appreciate it. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace.